Morning. I was very scattered. Man. But not bad. No, it's all right. If you have your Bible, turn to James chapter 2. We've been in a series called How Life Works. As we walk through the book of James, and we are getting a glimpse of this is how life works. This is how it should work. This is how life with God works. We're excited to teach this passage this morning. Yes. And to kind of get it started, we were thinking through this idea of how people make claims all the time, right? Your friends come to you and say, this was the best food I've ever eaten. And you're like, was it? Was it really the best food? And it's always a place you're thinking, man, no. <laughs> or maybe, you know, someone just says, you know, come with me. We're going to this event. It's, it will be the most fun you'll ever have. So we make claims all the time like that, the best or the most. And that's not unusual for companies to do the same thing. Businesses try to get our business by making pretty big claims. And so, like... For example, I bet some of you guys, you're like me, and every now and then you're like, I got to, uh, here, do you have those slides? Let's, let's pop the first one up. Every now and then you're like, I need yes. some energy. Uh, so how about five-hour energy? It makes the claim that for five hours you will have energy. What do you guys say? Is it true? Anybody? I don't know. I've tried one before. It, Surely. I got like three and a half hours. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. So, and then, then the next one here, how about these? <laughs> Anybody worn these? I, I think Pastor Robbie has a pair of these. Yeah. <laughs> he wears them. Got, he, got him. He goes walking in the neighborhood. <laughs> the, the claim, what's the claim, though? The claim is if you wear these, you will be in the best shape of your life. What do you think? Some oh, sketchers, shape-ups? Ab- absolutely. I'm getting a pair tomorrow. Yeah. So, and then... <laughs> And then, of course, you have the people who make claims for, uh, you know, something like this, where you get the guy, you, and he's in a yes. boat, and... Do we have it? Do we I, have it? I hope so. Oh, oh there, there yes. It there it is. Okay, watch this. Oh, there's got to be sound. Sound? I feel sick here for Flex Seal. The easy way to coat, seal, and stop leaks fast. Just a quick shot and Flex Seal instantly fills cracks and holes, stopping the toughest leaks while remaining completely flexible. Flex Seal is actually liquid rubber in a can. Flex Seal is perfect for all your home repairs and covers easily. Now that's a beautiful seal that will last a lifetime. Flex Seal is perfect for roof repair and basement leaks. It's like a handyman in a can. This super strong rubberized coating is unaffected by weather. In extreme heat or cold, Flex Seal keeps its hold. To show you the amazing sealing power of Flex Seal, we replaced the bottom of this boat with a screen door. We covered it in Flex Seal. After a day on the water, not only does it stay afloat, but the inside is completely dry. And when you want to use the strength of Flex Seal on surfaces that are light, nothing works better than Flex Seal Bright. Flex Seal Bright blends with lighter surfaces. It is so easy to paint over. This light coating holds back water. A lot of water. It's like the Hoover Dam in a can. Yes. 
Flex Seal is perfect for skylights, RVs, and so much more. Don't call a repairman to fix leaks around your home. That'll cost you thousands of dollars. You can get Flex Seal in your choice of original or bright for just $19.99. But wait, to make this the most amazing offer on television, we're going to double your order and send you two large cans of Flex Seal. Just pay additional processing. That's twice the ceiling power for only $19.99. Call now. Amazing. Right? Ooh, let's go get some. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. <laughs> We're going to test it. We're going to test it. Does anyone want to Wait, risk we got their a, life? Let's see. I need a volunteer. No, Kraus, not you. Nobody, everybody's like, I don't know. Thank you, Noah. <laughs> It's the Hoover Dam in a can. It's our handyman in a can. I, I like how we went from handyman to Hoover Dam. Nice. So I, I, uh, I cheated a little. I'd, I already applied it this morning. It looks pretty legit, actually. Oh, no. I don't know how that got on. We're going to leave that. Can we hold it? All right, so Noah, we're not, we're not going to. I'm not going to pour this Can over Can we hold you. it over his head? I'm going to let you, we're going to, you're going to help prove that this works here. All right, so it's been coated, and he said instantly, right? Yeah. You heard the claim. So it's been on there since about eight this morning. All right, here we go. Oh, my word. This is the first test. Are you kidding? It works, guys. All right, Noah. Wow. I... I did not expect that. <laughs> Noah, congratulations for your participation there today. You, you won half a can of Flex Seal. I did not expect it. But it actually did what it claimed. Wow. I know you're thinking, wait, what does this have to do with the book of James? It's exactly what James is going to say today. That there are claims that are made because we are Christians, that we ought to, basically, do we do what it says on the can, right? In fact, Jesus said this in uh, John um, 13, 35. I just want to read it, remind you, we were in uh, John last year. He said this, by this, all people are going to know you, my disciples, if you have love for one another. So Jesus is saying there's a label on you, and the label is love, and that love will be expressed to one another, and that's how other people are going to know your mind. So James is taking that idea and saying that's the label. Do you do what it says on your label or on your infomercial? Like, is there any evidence that your faith is real? And that's what James is, is taking us into today. And just like Flex Seal, it seems pretty legit. And our, our uh, very impressive test that we did today. Still um, shocked. <laughs> but just like Flex Seal may seem legit, you guys know you've come across many other products or things that have made claims and they have not been what they've claimed. And James is going to say the same thing. There's, there's some people who will claim to have faith who really don't have it at all. So let's, let's read together in James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? 
If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of the, you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So this passage has throughout history proven to be pretty controversial, and you can probably guess why. It sounds a little bit like Paul and James disagree with each other. Mm -hmm. Is that what's going on here? If you were to pull out, let's just say uh, verse... 22. You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. It seems like he's saying that works is this part of it that, that uh, like you have to have to be saved. And in fact, he goes so far as to say that faith without works is useless, right? So, so does he disagree with Paul when, fa- when he says that it's by grace through faith alone that you're saved? Well, um, let's just read some of Paul. And just see what it sounds like. So Paul says in uh, Romans, not Galatians, Romans 4. Um, what shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? This is Romans 4. If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what, this, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and was counted as righteousness. So Paul is saying mm-hmm. he's... Justified by faith, not works. So it sounds like a contradiction unless the word justified can be used two different ways Mm -hmm. and for two different situations, which is exactly what's going on. And hopefully by the end of the day, you may be one of those people that are like, Paul and James completely disagree with each other, but I would say they actually work in concert together to go against two really massive theological issues. Uh, Paul is dealing with the issue of justification as it relates to legalism. Like, like this idea you have to earn yeah. uh, your way into right relationship with God. And Paul, or James, is dealing with the issue of what's called uh, antinomianism, right? So you just learned a $6 theology word, right? Antinomian means against the law. So James is dealing with people who reject uh, any use of the law at all or mm-hmm. any obedience to the commandments. And Paul is dealing with people who uh, say, you gotta, you got to obey them all to be in. Mm-hmm. So two different things. But then the word justified can be used mm-hmm. two different ways. Yeah. 
Yeah, so justified, that idea, uh, can, can be used to mean like um, justified as in made right before God. And that's the only way that we see through Scripture, the only way we're made right before God is by faith alone. Uh, for by grace are you saved through faith. This, this is not a work that you can do on your own, or else you'd have something to brag about, Paul writes it's to the a, Ephesians. It's a declaration. It, yeah. You're declared you righteous de- by God. declared righteous yeah. by God. Uh, but then there's also the way in which uh, we're, we're justified in the sense of, like, vindicated, in the sense of uh, we are, the works of our life are evidence of what's happening uh, on the inside, and that's the point James is making here. Right. Definitely. Because you have to, here's the other thing. We've studied through the book of James, so uh, may, I know that not everyone's been here every week, but um, hopefully you've gotten a sense for who he's addressing and how he's addressing them to understand why he is here at this point, talking to people who, who think that they're Christians, right? Uh, he's not dealing with like, hey, here's how you come to Jesus. He's saying, hey, those of you who think that you're Christians, um, we're, we're going to measure it up and see if that's really uh, the case. And, and that's where all of us have to land, to, to measure up against what he's saying today. And so you have this idea that justification is a declaration by God, and also it is a demonstration by us, mm-hmm. right? And Paul says basically the same thing. In Galatians, um, Paul says this, in Galatians 5, um, let me make sure I get it right, oh, 5, 6, uh, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, right? So it's, it's, he's, he's trying to settle this argument between the, the Jews and the Gentiles, and he says, but only faith working through love counts. So Paul is saying faith works. Mm-hmm. It, it gets demonstrated. He goes on to say down in verse uh, 21, um, I warned you before that uh, those who do such things, he has this whole list of sins, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now this is Mr. Justified by faith alone, right? But Paul is saying there's got to be some evidence. So Paul and James are both would both agree. You you there has to be a demonstration. Yeah, yeah. And if you guys have questions while we talk through this today, you, hopefully we have a, a slide on the screen that will give you our phone numbers. You can ask us questions. We're going to walk through the text this morning, and then uh, we're actually hoping we'll finish a little early, and yeah. we can actually answer some questions if you have them. So feel free to text us. Uh, questions as we go. Um, but let's just start with verses 14 through 17 and, and talk through this a little bit, because really what you see is three types of faith yeah. as we walk through this, this passage. There's a faith that is all talk and no action. That's verses 14 through 17. And then we have a faith uh, that is good theology, but no action. So we can, have, we can have all talk, no action. We can have good theology and still no action. But then we can see what real faith is, and that's faith that's made visible. So we're going to walk through those three types of faith. Two of them really aren't faith at all, is essentially what James is getting at. So verses 14 through 17, uh, James gives us an example. Yeah. And he says, okay, here, here it is. Um, there's a brother or sister, meaning there's another Christian 
You know, we, we are to care for all people. We talked about that last week. We talked about loving our neighbor as ourselves, and Jesus defined neighbor as, you know, anyone, basically, when he gave us the parable of the Good Samaritan. Anybody that has a need is our neighbor. But um, in the New Testament, we read at several points where we're told to care particularly for our brothers and sisters. We're the family of God. We're, we're to look out for each other. And so he's saying, look, here's, here's someone who's a Christian within the church, and, and they're poorly clothed, and they're lacking in daily food. So this is a real-life example. Someone we know doesn't have food or clothes, and one, one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled. <laughs> and you're going to think, like, oh, I would never do that. But I started thinking about this example, and I started thinking, you know, there's a lot of times where um, I hear about some situation where there are needs, yeah. and I'm not too far from it, and I think, well, there'll be other people who will take care of that. I think it could play out in many ways, just let the Holy Spirit work in your life to hear that, but he's saying, without us giving them the things that are needed for the body, what good is that? What good is it for us to be all talk? What good is it for us to have a can of Flex Seal and say, like, this thing works, when, when in reality and, it doesn't? And, right. Or you never use it. Yeah. And, and that's the, the, remember, James is writing to a group of believers that have been dispersed, um, and he's, he's trying to reinforce good doctrine and orthopraxy. Right? It's not just enough to be able to say the right things. Mm-hmm. And, and I would argue that that's not even saying the right thing. Well, you, I find out you need food and clothes, and I go, well, go, go yeah. in peace. Be warm. Right. That's not even saying the right, right. thing, right? Yeah. So um, James, um, James just does not give any wiggle room there for just giving lip service without any action. He, he, he says... Um, what good is that? And again, just I, you're going to think I'm beating a dead horse here, but Paul actually uh, says something similar to that back in Romans. Uh, Romans 6. Uh, he, he's gone through the whole justification by faith thing, and then he starts Romans 6 by saying this, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that yeah. grace may abound? So should we just keep living however we want to? Paul answers his own question and says, by no means. means, There needs to be some action accompanying your words. I find it interesting, even the example that he uses. I I don't think the example is meant to be like this big uh, part of this text that like, you know, you you get stuck on by any means. But it is a particular example that he pulls out that says this is a need right then and there in this day. And I believe it, it moves into our day where like we might not think that this is super spiritual for us to say to meet just a small need that someone may have. Uh, I'm sure it's a big need in their life. But we may think, you know, we could do a lot more spiritual things. Right. Mm. And James says, no, look. You know what real faith is? Real faith is seeing someone that has not a real spiritual need like that we would think of, but a real need of not having food and clothes, and you say, I will do something about it. That's what faith looks like. And so 
I don't know, just maybe this is more for me than anyone. I, I sometimes over-spiritualize things, and I miss the part of just like, there's basic needs that people have, and what is the church doing, and how are we moving towards those needs? Right. And then the second kind of faith he gives us here is one that's got really good theology, mm-hmm. but no action. Um, so verse 18, uh, some of you will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So uh, the demons in this situation, they have really good theology. Right? They believe the part of uh, what the Jews would have called the, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God. The God, God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul all your spirit. That God is one is a piece of the main theological underpinning of the Jewish people. So James is saying, you believe that? That's great. You know who else believes that? Demons. It's not saving them. You can believe good theology and not be justified. Just let that sit on you for a second. I, so when I was in high school, I had a friend, um, and this friend, I played football with him, and he had a certain reputation. I was a Christian. I had a certain reputation. He was not a Christian, um, or so I thought, uh, because of his reputation, you know, just all the things that, like, you would think a Christian wouldn't do, like, that, that was his lifestyle. And I remember God really put him on my heart. Like, I, w- I want to talk to him. I want to tell him about Jesus. I want to tell him about how Jesus has changed my life. And I, but, but you know, when, you, when you're having these spiritual conversations, it's, it's hard sometimes to work up the nerve to have that conversation. And so, like, it had been several weeks. I've been praying. I've been praying. Lord, I want to talk to him about my faith. And uh, so, after just finally working up the nerve, I was just like, Bobby, I got to talk to you, man. Can I, can I tell you about Jesus and how he's changed my life and how I'm a Christian? And he said, yeah, totally, man. I'm a Christian too. <laughs> and I, I, and he, after he said this, I was so taken back after like weeks of like working on my nerve to talk to him that like, you know how you play out in a conversation, all the things that they may say back to you. Like when you say, Hey, you know, like let's talk about this. You're playing out what he, like he'd be mad. Would he say this? The literally the last thing I thought he would ever say was that he was a Christian. And I was like, what? Say, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, I was at church. In fact, I go to church a lot. I was like, oh, okay. And, and he was like, and, and at church, I prayed this prayer, and, and I'm a Christian. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and then I was just like, I, got I was dumbfounded. Point. I was just like, okay. Had that. only you know. Well, you, hey, it sounds like you have demonic faith yeah. to me. You could have gone. And that's what it was. It's not a recommendation, by the way. No, but that, that's what he was showing, like that right. there's, there's people out there and, and, and like people who could be sitting in this room saying, I'm a Christian, I prayed a prayer, I know about Jesus, I know what he did, and there's no way in your life that the fruit of your life is demonstrating that at all to be real faith. And that's the point James is making here. You can have these right thoughts about God just like demons do and totally miss it. Yes, and, and that's a really dangerous place to be, to have all the head knowledge yeah. 
and and it have not moved into your heart mm-hmm. and your affections and your actions. Uh, it's it's just really a bad place to be. And then in verse twenty, we move into what faith, real faith, looks like. This is faith that is made visible by action. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? So that's our first example. We have Abraham here. We talk through that a little bit more. Um, what, verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not also Rahab, Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? So we have two examples, Abraham and Rahab. Yeah. And it makes sense that James goes to the example of Abraham because Abraham's kind of the trump card. Like, you know, if, yes, if I'm going to prove my point, I'm going to prove it through Abraham because he is the patriarch. He is the uh, beginning, right, of the covenant that God established with his people. And so it's interesting. Paul uses Abraham as well yeah. to, in his defense of justification. So flip to Genesis 15. I, you, you need to see this, all right? Because this, uh, it really, there's no conflict between Paul and James. And uh, you, you need to see it and, and feel it, right? So in Genesis 15, God is making a covenant with Abraham. We're not going to read the whole story, but God comes to Abraham and he makes a covenant with him saying, I'm going to bless you. Your your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars if you could count them, right? And at this point, this juncture in his life, Abraham is old, right? And his wife is barren. Look at what it says. In verse 6, of Genesis 15. Abraham, he believed the Lord and the Lord, he counted it to him as righteousness. Faith. Abraham had faith. God said, you know what? Walk out here, look up at the stars. You see all those? You're going to have that many descendants. And Abraham goes, okay. And that faith was Credited, declared, God declared him righteous in Genesis 15, 6, right there. Now, almost 30 years later, flip to Genesis 22. And this is what James latches on to here, right? Now, I'm going to read this. Stay in Genesis 22. James, was not Abraham our father justified by works? when he offered up his son Isaac. Well, we just read in Genesis 15, 6, Abraham was declared righteous, Mm -hmm. justified by a declaration by God. What is James saying? Genesis 22, 1, after these things, God tested Abraham. What's he testing for? Didn't he just declare him righteous like 30 years ago? The test is this, is it genuine? Does it do what it says on the label? Mm Mm-hmm. And then you have the whole story of Abraham acting on the promise that God made to him. I'm gonna, you're going to have as many descendants as the stars, and Abraham goes, okay, 
he's fearless about his descendants at this point. To the point that he walks his son up a mountain willing to sacrifice him because that's what God said. Abraham in his mind, I don't know what he's thinking, but he goes so far as to raise the knife about to kill Isaac and, and God provided. And he's called a friend of God. So Abraham demonstrates his faith. God declares him righteous. Abraham demonstrates that through his actions. And that's what James is latching on to there. That remember he's writing to believers the whole idea of count it all joy when when you're face trials or when you're tested. And the testing of Abraham was a was a was an opportunity for Abraham to demonstrate that his faith was genuine. Right. So just just so you see it all in one place here, look look back now at James chapter two. So because James is quoting both Genesis 15 and Genesis 22. In in verse 21, he says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? That's Genesis 22, right? Uh, Then verse 23, And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. That's Genesis 15. So he's saying that when Abraham rose the knife... To, to, with his son on the altar, that's when the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God. That belief that Abraham had played out in real life. I mean, this is, this is so simple, but yet it's complex at the same time. I don't know how to yeah. describe it, but like really, you can use simple illustrations. Like if you say that I believe fried chicken is the best food out there, I love fried chicken, but you never eat fried chicken. That's a hard sell. You don't really love fried chicken. You don't really believe fried chicken is the best. Uh, But if we see you eating fried chicken all the time, then okay, we believe that you really believe that. Right? That's, it's simple. That's how it works. So if we say we believe in Christ, we believe in who he is, then it plays out in just really practical ways in our life, like it did for uh, Abraham, like it did for Rahab. Yeah, and, and you, there are a lot of days we get up here that like, we feel like we got to explain a lot of stuff. Right. It's pretty simple. Yeah. If you claim to be a Christian, there's a, again... Does it do what it says on the label? That's all James is saying. So, another one more example. If you look at Vic, and uh, you're wondering, is Vic a robot? Uh, Then I can explain it at a couple (laughs) different levels uh, that he's not really a robot. I've seen it and can um, testify to this because... Um, if I take a swab of his DNA, it will show that he's not really a robot. But I can also tell by the way that he interacts, the way, his mannerisms, the way he eats and drinks, by all his outward actions, he's also not a robot. Even though robots are starting to look and feel like humans. But, but anyways, there's... I had no idea where this was going. There's two levels... <laughs> Uh, there's two levels in which I can test and believe and, and see that he's actually human. And, and, and James says so much uh, there oh, yeah. in, the, in the final verse when he says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So there's, and actually I love the wordplay in verse 22. Uh, the wordplay is faith was working along with works. Faith was working along with works. So again, it's this idea that faith and works cannot be separated out. And if you ever get to a point where you're like, 
James, no, I promise you, look at verse 24. He's saying that, you know, you, you can't be justified by faith alone. Then you missed it because flip back to James chapter 1, and he says, you receive with meekness the implanted word of God. You receive it. He doesn't say you go and earn it. He says you receive with meekness the implanted word of God, which is able to save your soul. So there's, again, it's, some people try to make it into a conflict when it's not there at all. So, so we have some questions. Let's, yes, we have some good ones. We have one here that we're going to answer because it get, it's been asked back-to-back weeks now. Okay. You ready? Is there a point where we need to rest from serving others yeah. and devote ourselves to sitting at Christ's feet? How do we balance serving with spending time on our own, in our own relationship with Christ? Uh, and this, uh, this is a great question because the person references um, it's the... Uh, the situation between Mary and Martha that's right after the Good Samaritan story, which we referenced and we didn't keep going. Mm-hmm. So how do you balance those two? Is there a point where, you know what, I just got to rest. Yeah. And, and even though there's a need, I need to rest. Pastor Carlos made a really good point in uh, our first two services where he said, what, you have to know what James is not saying here. James is not saying, if you read this scripture and you think James is telling you, all right, you haven't been working hard enough, all right, so get yourself together, get out there, and get moving. That's not what James is saying. James is saying, this passage is to examine where you're at, to evaluate, to be able to see. Right now, all of us need to be thinking. This is what James is moving us towards. All of us need to be thinking, does my life have fruit in it? Has faith shown up in visible ways in my life? And if it hasn't, then it's not go out there and start working. If it hasn't, then it means you need to start at the beginning where, where uh, you know, Mary is. I'm yes. about to confuse the sisters. Right. Mary's at the feet of Jesus. Right. Where Mary is at the feet of Jesus. That's what we get, that's where we go back to. We start at the feet of Jesus and then we are fueled by him to go and to, to live out. Um, I have one. All right, go. I, if that answered we, it well we enough. we got some good ones. The Bible says even the demons believe and aren't saved, but then it says believe in Jesus and you will be saved. How do these go together and not contradict each other? Oh, man. Why didn't that person send that one to me? So I could ask you. <laughs> All right, ask it again while I'm formulating my answer. Okay, so the Bible says that demons believe. I guess let's read specifically what it says here. Um, You believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe and shudder. So demons believe, uh, but they're not. And are terrified. And they're terrified. But it says, but the Bible says believe in Jesus. Um, Call on the name of Jesus and you will be saved. Right. How do these go together? How do they not contradict each other? Well, because we know the Bible does not contradict itself. All right? That's number one, right? And number two is it's exactly what James has been talking about. There is, a, there is a way you can believe that doesn't produce anything. Right? And the, and the belief in Jesus is the kind of belief that produces something. Um, it's, 
I don't, I don't know. I know that sounds like a really oversimplified, probably cop-out answer, but it's the, it's the difference that James is, it's the entire book of James is what Paul's arguing for at the end of Galatians when he says, um, you know, the, the works of the flesh are, and then he runs through that list of, you know, there's some stuff on the list. You go, wait, why is that on there? And then the works of the Spirit are, and those, the spirit works are produced by a genuine, saving, living faith. And, and the, it's just two different uses of the word, I think. Right, exactly. Because demons are, they, they know who God is, uh, but they, and they react at an emotional level right. of fear. Whereas as, as believers, we react at an emotional level of trust and love. Uh, it's a different kind of fear. When we fear God, it's, it's in knowing that uh, only he can save us and knowing that we, we trust fully in him. They haven't placed their trust in Right, Jesus. right. It's, it's a little bit like um, believing that an elevator will take you uh, to the top of the Empire State Building. Right? You, you say, oh, I believe that. And then you go to the stairs. Right? The, the, the real, the way you know somebody actually believes, yeah. they step into the elevator. Right. Yep. That, that probably breaks down somewhere. All right. Uh, a couple more here. Oh, this is a good one. I want to hear you answer this. In a situation like the one you described, what's the best response? If you have a person who says they're a Christian because they go to church, they, have, they, they use the words, yeah. But there's no action. How do you, what's the best response there? What do you wish you had said? Yeah, basically, if I could go back and revisit that conversation, and I have a similar question here, so you can follow up with this on the same topic. They're asking, you know, what about when we talk to Catholics? Because Catholics often uh, err on the side of works. Um, If I could go back and revisit the conversation, you know, where Jesus always takes people, so... For example, with the rich young ruler, when he comes to Jesus, he says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus doesn't say, pray this prayer. He says, go and sell your possessions. Yeah. He pushes this button where, where this man would, was refusing to surrender his, his life over to God, and he says, this is what you need to do. So for my friend, I would have revisited some areas where he had refused to surrender things to God and say, look, you, first of all, you got to know you're sick before you... You know, yeah. you know that you need a cure, that you need the gospel. You have to know that, but the way you're living right now um, will not, uh, the way you're living right now means that you need Jesus. Your, your sins will send you apart from Jesus. And so, um, so I would start with that, just helping people understand with like their basic need for Christ, that although um, I was a kid who grew up in a Christian home and uh, I believed a lot of right things about God. So here's me as a kid, I'm growing up, I believe the right things about God. I, I, I went to church every Sunday. There had to come a point where I realized that even my best was only as good as filthy rags. That's what the Bible says. And that apart from Jesus, I could not be in a relationship with the God who created me. I, I, th- I think it comes back to, ultimately, 
What do you love? And how are you expressing that love? Um, This keeps coming up again and again in James. As I'm thinking about the answer to this question, when, when James, last week we looked at, he, he goes back to what he calls the royal law, mm-hmm. which is when Jesus answers the question from the lawyers, when he says the, uh, the greatest command is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your spirit. The second is like it. That's what James refers to as the royal law. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and so when you're dealing with people, like what are you loving and how are you expressing that love? Yeah. And, and it's, again, Paul in Galatians 5, 6, the only thing that counts is faith working through love. And, and this, we want, here's our problem, y'all. We just, we want the checklist, right? We want the, okay, here are the three things I have to do today yeah. and I know I'm good. It just doesn't work that way, right? It's much more nuanced and, and this spirit-led. It's what it means to be led by the spirit. And, and this idea that when James, it's the reason he gives the illustration, right? You see a brother or sister in need. What, I think what James is saying there is there's no reason for you to have a prayer meeting about that, right? You see the need, meet it. Mm. What are you loving and how is it playing itself out? And so I think when you have people who, cl- who make claims that they love something, your fried chicken illustration was great, but they never act on it. I, I just think it all comes back to what, what do you love and how is it expressing itself? It's good. We got some more questions, but there's no way we can yeah. get to all of them. We got one great one that we're going to, I think we'll, we'll deal with on the uh, podcast. Yep. Yep. Sound good? Let's close pray. Us, close us out. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your scripture. Thank you for this word that we can go to. We can understand more of who you are. And I pray for those sitting in this room this morning that as all of us have sat under your word, that we would be at a place right now where we could look at our lives and say, is, is my life producing fruit from a changed heart by you? And if it's not, Lord, don't, don't, don't let us go out and just start working. Let us come to you, our source and our life. You are our king and you are everything. And it's through you, Jesus, we know that we can live this life that you ask us to live, this life of obedience, this this life of action and love. Lord, may we be the kind of people who have the label of Christian, who make that claim, and actually back it up. May this church be that kind of people. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.